all the children up through age eight, if you'd like to go to children's church. And if you'll find the New Testament book of Titus, and I'll read the 15 verses that are found in chapter two, and uh, trust the Lord to you, honor his word today and use it to minister to our hearts. Uh, it's just great to be in the house of the Lord with God's people. Amen. It is good to just, I was, the psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Amen. And assemble together. We appreciate you being here. Some of you have family members visiting with you. We just appreciate all of you who are in the service today. All right, if you got your Bibles open, I'll read aloud as you follow along. Titus chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in the faith, in charity, in patience, that the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given too much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the younger women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be con condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. I'd like to just share a few thoughts with you from this chapter this morning on this subject, being an ornament of God's grace an ornament of God's amazing grace. Let's pray together. Father, I just pray right now that you will help every one of us as much as possible, Lord, to put aside the cares of life and the busyness of life and just give our undivided attention to your word, O oh God, for these next few minutes. May the Holy Spirit open the word to our understanding, give us wisdom to take in and apply to our lives and give us a heart of love and a burden to take what you've shared with us out into this world and be a ministry to others. And we'll thank you and praise you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you'll notice in this chapter we read, in verse 5, it's the Christians that 
Titus was ministering to, and Titus is a spiritual leader in his day, and he's been challenged to give people good sound, that word sound means good, healthy teaching. Give them something that will really help them. The only thing that's going to help us is the truth, amen, and that's the Word of God. And he mentions in the latter part of verse 5 that the Word of God be not blasphemed. That the Word of God be not blasphemed. Now, what he's saying there is that we certainly don't want to intentionally live a life or say something or do something that would give the unsaved world an opportunity to mock the Word of God and laugh at the Word of God and say, well, if that's Christianity, I sure don't want any part of it. Now, that's the negative. Now, the positive is found in verse 10, that ye may adorn. The doctrine of God. The word doctrine there means teaching. That's the truth of God. That we don't want to blaspheme or put a blotch or a mark on the truth of God. We want to adorn it. Is that not right? And the word adorn there means to, to enhance something. It means to decorate something. It means to beautify uh, something. It's, it has to do with a... Uh, uh, actually, in, in Bible days, this word adorn was actually used, and some of you may be able to identify with this with the electricity out uh, recently. Uh, of course, maybe we don't use these kind of lanterns anymore. But remember, we used to have the old lanterns. I think we used to burn kerosene in them. Now you can buy oil, lan- oil for the lanterns and so forth. And you had to trim the wick in it, remember? You had to trim the wick in order to to keep down the smoke as well as to keep the light shining bright. And you had to take the globe and clean it every now and then to get the, and all. And, and actually that word adorn, that was a practical way that it was used. Adorn the lamp, keep the wick trimmed, and keep the globe clean. Why? So that the light can shine brighter and so forth. Now we don't, of course, that's sort of an outmoded thing today, but it means to adorn or beautify something. Somebody says we're going to adorn the wall. We're going to beautify the wall by putting some pictures on it. We're going to beautify the tree that we just put up for Christmas by hanging some beautiful ornaments on it. Now, the only thing we've got to be careful of is this. You and I can't add to the truth of God. So in that sense of the word, adorning, it's not that we can add anything to the truth of God to make it any more beautiful than what it is, but it's what the truth of God can do for us, amen. How God can use His truth to make us, in His mercy and grace, an ornament of display of what God's truth can accomplish and what the grace of God can accomplish. Can you say amen to that? Isn't that something? But you know what? For the truth of God to help me, somebody's got to speak it to me. Either I've got to pick up the Bible and read it on my own. And let's face it, most unsaved people, till you get saved, you don't have an appetite for the Word of God. Amen? So somebody, And would you notice that this chapter starts and begins with the challenge of speaking the truth. Now, keep in mind that we believe the Apostle Paul was used of God to write this particular letter of the Bible. And he was writing to a younger man named Titus, who may have been a pastor in those days. He was a church elder, a spiritual leader. He had a teaching responsibility. And by the way, whether you're an official teacher, pastor, whatever, we all have a wonderful privilege and an awesome responsibility to share the truth with others. 
Amen? Amen. Well, that was weak. That was awful weak. And that's what we pay you for, preacher. Oh, no. My goodness, you come in contact with so many people that I may never meet, never rub shoulders with. Amen. We all can be proclaimers of the truth of God, can't we? Look at the first verse again. Chapter 2, verse 1. But what? Speak. Speak thou the things which become sound. That word sound there means healthy. That's going to benefit somebody. You know, if you go to the doctor, you want the doctor to be truthful with you, no matter how negative or positive. The only thing that's going to help you is the truth, isn't it? And we want that if you go to a mechanic, you go to shop, you know, and, and nowadays you don't know who could, you know, you want somebody to be honest with you and tell you, just tell me the truth. And yet when it comes to spiritual things, so many don't really want the truth. They just want somebody to scratch their ear and tickle their back and make them feel good. Why is it that when it comes to spiritual, which are the most important, amen, sometimes we have a whole different attitude about it. But he says, speak the truth. And then notice the very last verse of that chapter, verse 15. These things, what? Speak and exhort and sometimes rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee, speaking the truth. You know, just this week, I happened to hear the results of some surveys that were taken. You know, I mean, we're living in the land of surveys, aren't we? Every time you turn around, you're smacked into somebody's done us. I don't know who all these people are doing all these surveys and where they do all these surveys. I'm not asked very many questions. How about you? Amen. So anyway, somebody somewhere is doing all these surveys, and that's a good thing, and so forth. And, and, and this came from a pretty reliable source that recently surveys were taken. As a matter of fact, and the results were put in a book form. And it was concerning the culture, how the culture of our society in America is changing so fast. And it's becoming what we regrettably admit is becoming more and more of a post-Christian society. It's not the same Christian America that I grew up in. Most of us grew up in. It's just, that's not the emphasis anymore. And the purpose of this survey was to point out, and I think it was something like 80%. Now, this is just in Christian circles now, that nearly 80% of the literature and everything that's produced today is using biblical terms less and less. Like doctrinal words, justification, sanctification, redemption, all these beautiful doctrinal words in the Bible even in Christian books and literature, are being used less and less. And nearly 50% aren't even using words like grace. Sin, well, sin went out a long time ago. My goodness, we quit calling it sin. He made a mistake or he used a little indiscretion. My goodness, we quit. I say we now, generically speaking. Sin, that word sin went out the door a long time ago, didn't it? And the whole purpose of this survey was to show that we all get caught up in this. Now, folks, this right here today, this is the easiest place in the world to use biblical terminology, isn't it? And I'm talking about myself right now. I'm not talking about you. Out here in this world, it's not as easy for me to start quoting Bible verses as it is to you 
on Sunday morning. I'll be on. No, 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 don't look at me like you're you're going to fire me. You're the same sinner I am. Amen. Well, you know, I wish I could stand here and say I'd never flubbed it. What I'm saying is, you know, it's and I'm thinking about this Christmas season coming, and the challenge of this whole survey was that listen. We've got to keep in love and mercy out of love. Out of love. Not out of self-righteousness, but out of love. We've got to keep confronting our society. Somebody's got to keep speaking the truth. Amen. You say, well, we speak it every Sunday and Wednesday night. Yes, but most of the people that really need the gospel aren't here. It's out there at the barbershop. It's out at, at Food Line or, or everybody shops at Walmart. Amen. It's everywhere you go. You know, just last year we had our Christmas banquet, first year down at Best Western. And many of you, remember we got there for our Christmas banquet, there was a sign out there, uh, Valley Baptist Holiday Party. And some of us said, it's not a holiday party, it's a what? It's a Christmas party, amen. Pronounce that Christmas, it's a Christmas party. So this year, when we scheduled our banquet, we got an email back that we're sending and your holiday party. And then I remembered, and I emailed a nice email back, and I said, "Ma'am, I said we would prefer that it be called a Christmas party." And I got an email back quickly. And you know what? I'm found out many times. It's not so much most of the local employees, and sometimes it's not even the local. Uh, supervisors, it's sometimes orders coming down from the main headquarters. And they're waiting for you as a customer to give them an opportunity. And I sent a nice email back and said, well, we'd prefer it be called a Christmas party. And boy, I got an email back just like that. It said, yes, sir. And then the next day I got one from another em, uh, who, who uh, employed another part of the business that was thanking us for sharing how our country needs prayer. You say, yeah, they're just trying to get you business. They already had the business. I find out, listen, you know what? So it's amazing. You go in a store and you, they're waiting on you and, 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 and you say, uh, they say happy holiday and because they're ordered to do that. And then you look at them and say, Merry Christmas to you. And they light up and they say, and Merry Christmas to you because, see, you've initiated it. And that's just a simple illustration. But what we're finding out is all this political correctness, we don't want to offend anybody. Even in our churches today, doctrine divides. Let's just, let's just love everybody and get along with everybody. And it's eating like a cancer. And so not only these great theological words like justification and atonement and all that. But even in the everyday words of the Word of God, we're so, and you know out there in the workplace and sometimes with your family, an issue comes up. And you say, well, hey Frank, what do you think about this lifestyle? What do you think about this? Uh, boy, if I was talking to you without hesitating, I'd say, well, you know there's a verse in, but all of a sudden, well, the Bible the Bible. <laughs> we're not interested in the Bible, you know. And we're afraid of that. And you know what? That's exactly what the enemy wants. And that's one of the steps of a downfall of a society is when we get to the place where we're afraid, not here today, but out there in the workplace, when these wide open doors to lovingly but firmly share the truth, we're intimidated, 
All of a sudden, it's, it's a spiritual battle, isn't it? And you know what? It, yes, do we need to speak the truth inside the four walls of this building? You better believe it. But it's outside the four walls of this building that we need to be speaking the truth. And you know, you can do it in a loving way. You don't have to, well, bless God, yeah, I'll give you my, you're going to burn in hell if you abort that baby, amen. Well, now, if I'll get it across, go ahead, let them have it, amen. But you know what? You can say, well, you know, you asked me my opinion, and I appreciate that, but you know what? Have you ever thought of this? What's God's opinion? you ever thought about what God has to do? <laughs> my opinion isn't worth a plug nickel, unless it lines up with the Word of God, amen. And you can say, you know what? Maybe there's a verse in the Bible that can help us with that. Now, you don't know what their response is going to be, but that's speaking the truth, isn't it? At work, at home, at play. Now, in order to speak the truth, we've got to be willing to live the truth. Is that not true? Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. How many of you have ever blown it at home? You just lost it. You said something you shouldn't have said. You lost your temper. You ever lost it at the job? And people you work around every day? Uh, fellow came to me one time. He said, Pastor, I blew it. I blew it. I blew it. Man, I lost my temper at work today, and you wouldn't believe some of the words that came out of my mouth. I know some of the words that have come out of my mouth in 68 years, folks. I know thoughts that have gone through my mind. I'm, we're sinners saved, but now I'm not, you know, please don't miss that. Don't go away from here and say, oh, preacher, you know. I said, wait a minute. No, you didn't blow it. He said, yes, I did. How could I ever go back and invite these people to church or give them a gospel track or something? Well, that's a good question, isn't it? I said, well, yeah, you blew it, but you know what? You need to go ask, get your heart right with God. And now, and this is hard. Well, it's easy to tell somebody else to do this, isn't it? Go back and apologize. And say, I shouldn't have used that language. I lost my temper. I got mad, frustrated with this machine here. And that's not the language a Christian ought to use. But see, sometimes we're too proud to do that. I said, yeah, you, you, you know, you know what? God could turn this around. You might have a bigger opportunity to witness to these people than you've ever had. Are you with me this morning? Are you following me? So you see, yes, we need to live the truth, but we also need to speak the truth. It goes hand in hand. And sometimes when you think, we've all blown it at times, haven't we? But you learn from that and you get right with the Lord and you go back and apologize. And then they find out, wow, this it's real. <laughs> this person, they're human just like me, but they've got something that's real and genuine. It's real. An ornament of God's grace. He says in verse 10, Adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. I want to ask you a question this morning, if you claim to be a born-again Christian. Is your life, and I've already admitted we're not perfect, are we? You know, sometimes we, we, we give people the ideal that, boy, if I could just be as perfect. Well, we're all, we have the world, flesh, and the devil. We want to be growing and maturing in the Lord. But I'm going to ask you a question. Is your life as a born-again Christian an ornament of the grace of God? Or is it a blotch? Is it a scratch on the paint of a new car? Is it dirt on a newly painted wall? Is, the, is my life from day to day, at home, at work, generally speaking, is it an ornament 
to this world of what God's grace and God's truth can accomplish? Or is it really a blotch and a mark? And it gives the world an opportunity to blaspheme and mock and make light and say, (laughs) if that's Christianity, I don't want any part of it. Well, that's a good challenge. That's something to think about, isn't it? And so Paul is challenging Titus to teach people the truth of God. Aged men and the elderly, the young and the employees there in verse 9. If you're a servant, or you know, obey and don't steal and don't be disrespectful to those in authority. Why? Because all this, it is hard. It's not easy. Boy, it's easy. It's easy preaching, but it's hard practicing sometimes. It demonstrates what God's grace You know what? You're saved by grace and you live the Christian life by grace. And it's only possible by the grace of God. Amen? But you're demonstrating. Now look at the grace of God in verse 11. Paul mentions in verse 10, he says that we may adorn the doctrine of God our what? Our Savior. God our Savior. And it's almost like, you know, he mentions God our Savior and then his heart just explodes on the grace of God. And look what he says in verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. That word appeared there means to rise like the sun coming up. We saw in Sunday school this morning, we were talking about the sunrise and Jesus Christ is coming back. The new day is going to dawn one day. And you know, this word appeared there in Titus 2 verse 11 implies the same thing. It's a picture of all of a sudden, it's like the sun coming up. The light has dawned. Awake and arise and Christ shall give thee light. The grace of God that bringeth salvation. Grace means favor and blessing. We can be gracious one to another, can't we? By the way, some of you have been very gracious to my family and I. Well, you as a whole church gave us a wonderful gift back in Pastor Appreciation Month. Some of you have given us cards and little things at Thanksgiving. And you've been gracious. But the grace of God is divine favor. Undeserved mercy and grace. The grace of God, the favor of God, The grace of God that bringeth salvation. You can't work it up. You can't merit it. You're saved by the grace of God. You're kept saved by the grace of God. It's only the grace of God. Through the grace of God that Jesus went to the cross of Calvary and died for our sins and was buried and rose again. And this salvation is available, Titus chapter 2 and verse 11, for how many? For all men. It's available for all. But it's only appropriated by those who are willing to repent and trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. Folk, you know what? Sometimes out in in this world and in public, and I battle with this, I have opportunities to say something and share something. And boy, your mind's just flooded. Well, how will they react? And will they get mad? And, And you know what? I need to love them enough. I need to love them enough to quit and give them. They need to know the grace of God. Amen. They need somebody to speak. They need somebody to give them that track. I've often wondered, and I've never thought to ask it. I, I, I bet it's so hard sometimes, you know, some with doctors and, and uh, I'll have to ask Jessica sometimes. And, but, you know, I, I, I thought, uh, you know, sometimes doctors, it seems like they're, they're just cold and hard-hearted. They just come in. Well, I'm sorry. No, no, we can do. He passed away. 
It's almost like you, you, you have to protect yourself. So you can only bear so much emotionally. You know? And I often wondered how hard it must be for a doctor sometimes to look you in the eye and say, we're sorry, but it's cancer. We're sorry, but you're eat up with it. I mean, you know, but I've got to be honest with you in order to help you, in order to give you the right medication. Are you with me this morning? And that's why, hey, out of a heart of love and burden, if we believe people are dying and going to hell, and the only thing that's going to help them is the grace of God and salvation, then we need to say, God, help me out of love. It doesn't matter whether they get mad or not. It doesn't matter whether they... Hey, if I have to bear a little tiny speck of the reproach of Christ, then God help me to do it. Now, you know what? It takes the grace of God, doesn't it? It's not easy. It's not easy. People come and say, well, what do y'all think about this? This lifestyle, this and that. Doing, and you say, well, you know what the Bible says. And you, all of a sudden you hesitate and you, you got to, you, well, you know. and, and yeah. Well, just speak the truth in love. Folks, we as a society, if, if you and I as the church of Jesus Christ don't keep confronting this society with the truth and just doing it inside the church building and getting the job done anymore. Are, are, are y'all with me this morning? Y'all understand what I'm trying to say? Every one of us have a ministry. The grace of God that brings salvation. But then watch verse 12. This same grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us. Wow. You know what that word teaching? You can look it up. It means child training. How many of you believe? Isn't it wonderful to see families bring children into the world? Isn't that exciting? My goodness, we've had babies. We got babies coming out of the woodwork around here. Got another one coming in the, toward the end of the year. Amen. Amanda, we've got another grandchild being born on the 10th of December, Lord willing. I'm praying it'll be two days late and be born on my birthday. That's December the 12th, in case any of y'all taking notes. <laughs> How many of you believe that those children need to be raised right, trained, taught? And dis, my, look, look at all that's involved in training and teaching and providing for those children. That's what's included in that word teaching. The grace of God doesn't just save you and then just you're on your own. The grace of God goes to work and it starts teaching you and training you how you ought not to live. That denying ungodliness and worldly lust, here's how you should live in this present world, soberly, righteously, and godly. Can you say amen to that? Now, you know what? We Baptists get criticized more from other Christian groups than anything else. Because we believe in a doctrine that's called eternal security. And by the way, you can call it what you want. I believe that with all my heart. I believe once saved, always saved. You're not born into God's family and then kicked out and get born again, kicked out. You're born. You're saved by the grace of God. You're kept saved by the grace of God. It's a once for all miracle. Amen. But we get accused of giving people a license to sin. Well, my goodness. (laughs) If once saved, always saved and you can't lose it, I can go out and live like the devil. My friend, if that's the attitude of your heart, you ain't saved. Amen. And the problem is there are so many people who've prayed a prayer, 
They've walked a church aisle. They've even been baptized. And they're living like the devil. Amen. Or if they're not living a wicked, vile life, there's absolutely not an ounce of spiritual interest. And they don't go to church. They don't read their Bible. There's no evidence. There's no fruit. And, she, and James, the apostle James said, look, you can tell me you're saved. Now I'm paraphrasing. James, you can tell me all day long you've got faith and been saved. I can't see your faith. If I don't see some good works and fruit, then I don't know whether you're saved or not. I hope you are, amen. Listen, if the grace of God has saved you, there's going to be some fruit, amen. There's going to be some evidence. And if you can... If you have no interest in spiritual things, or you can live in sin and disobey God, and then not bother you, that ought to tell you something. Because the grace of God not only saves you, verse 11, it goes to work in your life, amen? And it teaches you, it trains you, and if you need to... And by the way, God still believes in spanking, amen? Chastening, and He'll take you to the woodshed, amen? If you don't. And I say that because I tell you what, again, in our society, how many Christians? Now, and again, when you talk about spanking, that's a whole subject. There's a proper way. My, and it takes time. And that's a, wow. And boy, I'm a, I'm a great one to be talking about that. I, but I tell you what, it, but when, it, it's the Word of God and children need discipline and so forth. And God will take you to the woodshed. And if these things aren't happening in your life, then something's wrong. Are you with me this morning? In other words, this world needs to know that there's a salvation, there's a grace of God that can save them from the penalty of sin, and there's the grace of God that can help them live a holy, godly life. Is it easy to live a holy, godly life? No. And it's as impossible for me to live the Christian life as it is to get saved to start with. But the grace of God is available. If I'll humble my heart, depend on the Word, get in the Word of God, get on my knees, rely on the Holy Spirit. God doesn't get down there and swim around in the cesspool of sin with you. People say, oh, God understand. God, no, God's grace can lift you up out of the cesspool of sin. Amen. And clean you up and make a godly person. Don't blame God and blaspheme the truth of God. Don't excuse your sin and disobedience. On the grace of God. Amen. That's blaspheming the Word of God. We want to adorn the Word of God and be an ornament. And by the way, if there's one speck of holiness, righteousness, and godly living in you and me today, it's only by the grace of God. Amen. It's only by the grace of God. So the grace of God saves us. Titus 2 verse 10 it teaches us how to live and empowers us in living, verse 12. And it gives us hope for the future. Look at verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing, there's that word appearing again, of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You know the world's looking for hope, isn't it? Man's heart. Hope. Boy, how much will we hear during December on hope and peace? And yet the grace of God Gives man hope. that <laughs> This world isn't going to go on like this forever. These will be former things one day. And what is our blessed hope? Seeing Jesus one day. Whether he calls us home one by one by death or whether the rapture takes place. The blessed hope 
is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the hope of this world. He's the hope of this world. Now watch verse 14 as I wrap this up. That is Jesus Christ, verse 14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem or save us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. A peculiar people. Well, we're a bunch of oddballs, aren't we? You know what that word peculiar there means? I wrote it down. Being beyond usual. What does it mean to be beyond usual? Well, I would probably use the word normal. Being beyond normal. Well, Pastor, well, Reverend Hall, I mean, it's only normal. You say we're all sinners. It's only normal to do this. It's only normal. It's only usual. Yes, it is. But the grace of God can save you, clean you up, and take you beyond the normal. Amen. You know why? You know, maybe you'll be confronting with this this week. You know, how can people do those kind of things? How can there be so much evil and hard heartedness in this world? And boy, you're ah, uh, well, you got the answer. But you're, well, the Bible, the Bible, yeah, the Bible says it's sin. Man's born with the sin nature. And you know what? We're so shocked that people live and do some of the things they do. It's only normal. Right? They have, are you with me? They have a sin nature. But I can tell you one who can save you and take you beyond the normal, lift you up out of that, amen, and make a peculiar person. Make an oddball out of you as far as this world's concerned. That's, aren't you glad you're an oddball in, in, in the eyes of the world? Hmm? Yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall what? Suffer persecution. You say, oh, I don't suffer. I, my neighborhood, my job, everywhere I go, I don't suffer any reproach whatsoever. That might not be a good testimony. If you're a light shining like it ought to be, and you're the salt that you ought to be, somewhere along the way, you're going to rub the further wrong way. Amen? If you're living for Christ and speaking the truth. Am I getting my challenge across today? I hope I am. And especially with December coming up and the Christmas season, how many opportunities we'll have. And the days we're living... We're constantly being asked, you know, what do you think about this? What about that? What Did you hear on the news? How can people do those kind of things? And these are all opportunities to lovingly, but kindly and appropriately saying, you know what? I believe the Bible has an answer for us, can help us understand this. And we can speak the truth. According to the surveys that have been taken, America is losing its Christian culture. And all the blame doesn't lie out there with the wicked and ungodly. Some of the blame lies at my feet today. Because many times I've not been faithful in speaking up and speaking the truth 
with the heart of love and concern. And I want God to help me with what time I have left to not only be faithful here, but faithful with my neighbors, my cousins, the employees, everywhere I go, to barbershop. And what little reproach or shame I may have to bear if there is any, I don't think it's going to do me any damage. How about you? It's not easy, but God's grace makes it sufficient. It's sufficient. Amen. Are you an ornament? An ornament on display of what God's grace and God's truth can do. Let's pray together. Father, we just want to thank you. Father, I thank you today for the truth. And I, I'm challenging myself, Lord, today. I, I want you to, Lord, just fill me with your Holy Spirit and, and demonstrate through me what your truth and grace can accomplish. And not just here, Lord, but out in the workplace and in, in this world in which we live. And Lord, I think we all would admit it, it's never been easy, but it's not getting any easier to take a stand for Jesus and speak the truth and love these days. But God, we want boldness, but we want a burdened heart. We want love. And so God, give us opportunities. Give our young people and children opportunities to speak up for Jesus. And God, just use us. Help us to live it. And help us to speak it. Help us to be ornaments of the grace of God. To adorn your truth. Thank you, God, for your mercy and grace. And if there's somebody here today, Lord, that's not saved, draw them to Christ. And God, if you've put your finger on something in our lives as Christians, that's a terrible testimony. And it gives the world an opportunity to laugh and mock at the truth of God. Then, Lord, help us to be honest about it and and come clean with you and help you to trim our wicks and clean our globes that the light might shine a little brighter. And we'll thank you and praise you for what you do in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me quickly? And just the pianist is going to play.